Hey there, human beings! Welcome to a new episode of uh, Gattocast. This time with my friends Alex Solki from the Hebrew Hammer Hammercast, whatever it's called. <laughs> whatever the hell you call it. I don't know. You you know what the, the name of your podcast. You should at least. Right, exactly. Yeah, it is the Hammercast. Cool. I, I wasn't going to correct you if you got it wrong. I was just going to Sorry. maybe like change my name to like the Hammercast, but you, you got it. So we're good yeah. to go. <laughs> okay. So we got a, a nice, uh, another li- live rant uh, about the topic that no one is talking about in these days. <laughs> something completely uncommon and no one is really banned. Very, very obscure topic indeed. Very, it's it's really out of fashion. So I'm sorry to deal with these out of fashion topics with, uh, but that's why I invited a friend. At least I had, I would, I know I would have someone. We have <laughs> someone to talk to. Exactly. By the way, I got to compliment you on that um, on that uh, opening thing with the uh, you know picture with you with that that toy gun. You know, if you come to America, we'll get you a real one so that you can uh, <laughs> you right. can take with an actual. We'll make it an AR-15 because people aren't talking about those either. So that would be that'd be perfect. <laughs> that would be. It would be. I, I could become a real American. I mean, I'm not sure I want to do that. But thanks for the offer. You're very thanks welcome. The, it, it, the offer the, remains open. It, it remains open. Um, I'm not sure it's open right now, but uh, as soon as they open again, then I might think about it. Right. My offer is open. I don't know. I can't speak about America's borders. I suppose if you're coming from. Uh, from the south, that might be a different story. But if you're going to fly in anywhere else, it may not work. All right. Well, let's see. Let's see what comes out. Definitely. Anyway, Alex. So, tell us something about you. For I don't know this. Uh, maybe some people who do not know who you are. There may be some yeah ignorant folks out there. We need to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, Bunzum says AR-15 will be perfect for Mr. Gatto. So we've already got one vote for my idea. So I'm just saying there will be plenty just more that we'll be getting good votes on. All right. Well, um, I have known Eduardo for a good number of years. He and I met in uh, Jerusalem. And whenever I'm in America, I always tell people I mean the original Jerusalem because there are a bunch of like small crappy towns like littered throughout this country called Jerusalem, but I mean actually Jerusalem, Israel. And he was doing postdoctoral research in astrophysics there. And I was just living there and working as a personal trainer, helping people crush weakness all the live long day. And uh, as luck would have it, uh, he and I have a mutual friend, Mr. Lee Gantzman. And uh, I was training Lee and you were taking Arabic lessons from Lee. And I was at the time learning, learning Italian. And so he said, I have, a, I have a student who is from Italy and he wants to learn Hebrew. So maybe you can, uh, you can uh, make arrangements, meet, hang out. And so we did that. We found out that we both had a very similar sense of humor, a very similar outlook on life, uh, an enjoyment of languages, and uh, particularly the swear words. <laughs> and, uh, sure, other... what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. He, well, uh, this was, well, let's say this is uh, the official debut. I'm just telling you, for, this is going to surprise you about Eduardo. That, that he finds these things very funny, as do I. In fact, that has not changed in the last six years. But um, kept in touch, uh, maintained good contact, and uh, even got to hang out in Italy, of all places. La- and uh, Italy and, and Germany. And Pennsylvania, that's right. Over the yeah, past yeah. few years, since, since yeah. I moved back to the States, it's been yeah. uh, Pennsylvania, Italy, Germany, and uh, who knows, maybe we'll add some other, uh, some other locale 
if, if we manage to survive this madness, because that's what we're going to talk about tonight, and um, that's what uh, <laughs> we've been living, I guess, on a on. I'm not sure about actually your your state. So how's it? How's it, okay? Where are you living? I mean, you're in Omaha, Nebraska, right? So what's the status there? What's the um, kind of? Well, you know, uh, Nebraska was an interesting case because they never really like fully locked down. There were other states where they had you know full complete lockdowns. I, I think Nebraska's was like a little less severe for the most part. So it was possible to go out and, and do things. Now, I, restaurants, for instance, for quite some time were like takeout only. So you were not allowed to sit down, but that's changed. You know, there are still some places where it's it's takeout only, but most places you can, you can also uh, eat in. Uh, in fact, I went to Barnes and Noble with my mom last year, kind of like during the, the point where everybody was locked down. And the manager there told us they were one of only 10 Barnes and Noble locations in the entire country that were still open. So yeah, Nebraska was relatively uh, lenient, I think. I mean, again, there were some, some uh, measures put into place, but it was nothing like, you know, California or New York or any of these other places. So because that, that's something interesting. I don't know how, I mean, I, I thought, I, I think no one really expected things to take these curves. <laughs> and then, so I, I just was well, just wondering, so what, what was your first reaction with the, um, like when you, you know, when the virus started spreading and then you heard it's coming to the US and... Uh... Well, that's a good question because, you know, uh, I think like, may, well, maybe not like many people. I don't know how best to describe it. I mean, uh, but I, I will say this, like many people, I was concerned with it because it's like, you know, we, we don't really know what's going on. There wasn't a lot of information going or a lot of information coming out, but it seemed different from like... Uh, Ebola, for instance, or the Zika virus. Like these are two viruses from Africa. And it, it just seemed like the way that it was being presented even early on, was, not, not, not necessarily in the media. I think the media jumped on it and threw, threw a lot of fuel on the fire, like unnecessary fuel on the fire later. But um, it, it seemed like, hey, look, this is coming from uh, China, the communist government there. It's probably not being very truthful about what's going on, what its origins are. You know whether or not it's as as deadly as some people are whispering that it is. So the this unknown kind of added a lot to the fear. And I remember I went to Australia last year to teach some workshops, and um, and I I my brother before I left, he said he sent me a list of things because he's very up on you know I would say he's very up on current events before things kind of become more breaking news. And so he said the same thing. Like, we really don't know what's going on. Um, <clears throat> we really don't, uh, we don't understand what the virus is going to be like. So it's best to take some precautions. Here's what you should do. So he sent me uh, like a, a list of things to do. Um, and so one of those things was to buy N95 masks. And <laughs> had I known, <laughs> I totally would have bought like hundreds, but I only bought like 20. Um, and it, what was really interesting too, when I bought them, it was probably toward the end of January of last year. And I went to this place in town, in Omaha, and, uh, and it's a, a tools place, like for, you know, for mechanics uh, and, you know, people who, who work in, in, like, physical labor type jobs. And uh, I asked, do you have N95 masks? And the lady behind the counter is like, I, I don't even know what that is. Let me, let me look it up on the computer. And it turns out they had them. And 
you know, like by the time I got back to the States, like a month later, it was like, I could be wrong about the exact timing, but it was like, there was nowhere to even find them because like yeah, the yeah. panic had started to spread and people were buying them up like crazy. And I, I, I emailed my uh, host for my workshop in, um, uh, in Queensland. And he said, I was like, how many people are dying of this coronavirus thing? And he said, well, so far in the entire country, there's only been nine. So I, I think you're probably going to be okay. And um, so I was like, all right. So, you know, I, I flew to Australia and it was weird seeing people wearing masks. I was like, I would be so embarrassed to wear a mask. You know, like this just seems like, like it's uh, just, I, I don't know. It just seems a little over the top. Uh, but things were pretty normal when I was in Australia. Fortunately, I got back when I did because I got back toward the end of February. And then, you know, about mid-March, uh, things like the, the lockdown began. Um, and basically all the insanity that we're dealing with now uh, started becoming like uh, this new reality. Yeah. So, yeah, early on, I think just out of, out of purely not really knowing what to expect, not having enough good information – uh, yeah, I was as cautious as anybody, and I was, uh, with the exception of you know, going through the airport, and not wearing a mask, and not really yeah. caring to do such a thing. Um, you know, as things ramped up, and uh, you'll remember too, early on, we were told by everybody, including Dr. Fauci, there's no reason to wear a mask. And of course, yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but um, there was a, a huge about face as far as that was concerned. But uh, yeah. yeah, that was Truthfully, that was, it was the same. It was the same around Europe. Like there, there was people said it's not really useful. We don't know. It's like just don't buy it because otherwise there were going to be shortages for the those who really need it and works in hospitals. And then yeah, I think it's uh, well the dynamics was pretty much the same because. But I'm asking because the thing is that strikes me the most because I I was actually. Um, I traveled quite a lot just before the pandemic started, so I was I was caught in, in Spain. I was touring with Nanowar, and then all of a sudden I decided to move to Serbia, and then I moved to Serbia. And of course, then I heard the news, in, in, you know, in, in, from Spain. From I was living in Serbia, so of course I knew the situation there, and of course I had my, you know my family in Italy. So I was like, and by the way, I just moved from Berlin, so I still had like contacts in Berlin. I was keeping like in touch with the situation in a bunch of different places. And so this is something interesting because at, at first it looks like um, no one was really buying that into it was going to into the craziness of, of locking down. Like people thought uh, Italy is crazy to do that. Like in Germany, it would, it would never happen, and it's not going to happen in Spain. And all of a sudden, like the the tide turned, and everyone decided that what, that was the right policy to take. And um, I don't know. It made sense to me at the time because. Uh, it's it's pretty easy. Like if you if you think that every person that goes out uh, has the capability of infecting like two persons, then you know you got one round. It's one person infects two. Then the second round is like two persons infect other four, and these things eventually grows exponentially. And so this is a, a pretty, you know, I'm a, I have some mathematical background, so it, it you understand it. Exponential growth is not good, even though you might have a very small um, fatality rate among the infected. If the infection grows exponentially, then at some point you will still end up with a very large number of infected people, and that will overwhelm the um, the system, like the hospitals. Mm -hmm. And so, at first, I really thought that uh, these things make sense. I mean, it's the only way we need to stop like this uh, contagion to to continue. And it looked like, well, if the virus uh, spreads only on our legs, as they say, it is walking like on our legs. It's it's, it's going. 
um, then I guess uh, I guess it makes sense to stop everything and like make the virus disappear and then just resume you know <laughs> back with the with, with the normal life um anyway if only it had actually happened that way right <laughs> exactly so that's the thing because we were that was the option we were presented with that it's either exponential growth of the infection uh and subsequent like overwhelming pressure on uh the uh, on hospitals or you can you know you can try to shut down everything and relieve some pressure from the um health system healthcare system and um and st but stop everything like mm, prevent any kind of activity from taking place at least as many as uh, activities as you can yeah it, it, that seemed very short sighted and i like i know the rationale early on was what everybody was repeating here was two weeks to stop the spread or exactly. flatten the curve and yeah. so, you know, the intention behind it actually wasn't even to stop the virus. Was, people basically understood, like, there's not really going to be any way to stop the virus. So the, the whole point of the, these lockdowns is to make it so that it just slows down so that we're not overwhelming the hospital system. And, you know, whether or not that was like a wise choice is up for debate. But at least it was very clear what, what the purpose was going to be. But, um, you know, as a layman, because I, I don't work as a scientist, I, I do try to keep up with what's going on and... You know, I have, uh, I, I'm, I'm not like, how should I say? I'm not like a, a cynic about things. I'm a little, I can be skeptical, but, but I can have my mind change. Like if you pre present me with the data, yeah. um, but after a while, it just seemed like, like what's the, what, what's the point of these lockdowns? Like because the longer they went on, it's like it didn't really seem like they accomplished much of anything. And then the thing that was especially insane was that there were countries that were doing like multiple ones. You know, it was like a sequel to a crappy movie that. Nobody really wanted to, you know, to watch in the yeah, first place, yeah. um, and nobody ever, nobody was ever like, "Look, maybe this wasn't a good idea. Let's try something different." That's yeah. <laughs> I like the I like the the way you 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 framed it as a sequel of a crappy movie because that's exactly what it is. It's like, mm, for me, I mean, the turning point was in October, I must say, because I still believed like. In this narrative that you know still you need to slow down the spread of the virus and uh, you know if um, things were sort of under control during the summer and you could argue that that was because we sort of uh, kept the virus under control early on like we managed to spread you know you look at the curve and you see that the curve goes down after a while you do the lockdown and so you start uh, this is the usual association right because people have seen the curve rise then there was this lockdown and then people see the curve going down but that's like me, you know, um, I don't know, like taking a lighter and look, oh, I'm the master of fire. Well, it's it's just a fucking lighter. I mean, it would, anyone can do that. This, you are not the master of fire. Anyone can do that. Right? Yeah. There's, or just telling you, oh, look, tomorrow the sun will rise. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's it's very... Yeah. So the, the, the bottom line is that no one was uh, telling us, I mean, no one was foreseeing the possibility that, you know, the curve might just go up and down on its own. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, the turning point was to see that uh, in October, when we had the second, the famous second wave taking place, the number of the death toll was exactly the same as during the first wave, except the first wave took place in a situation where no one was caring, was giving shit about anything. There were mm -hmm. concerts going on. There were people going to restaurants. There was no limitation whatsoever. So there was like 
the mindset back in uh, until we had the first lockdown in Italy was completely different from October, like the, and the behavior of people. So we, people were not wearing masks. People were not, you know, <laughs> were not taking, uh, were not social distancing. So mm-hmm. the, all of these elements were were lacking in March. Um, and yet you see that the outcome of the death toll is exactly the same. Like the peak death toll um, per day in Italy at least was around 800. And so it's really hard to explain how two phenomena that originate with very different um, conditions in the sense that in October, back in October, uh, we, we had by and large social distancing. We had uh, caps on our restaurants that were like a lot of uh, there were not co- no concerts taking place there were people wearing masks all the time there, there was smart working so people working from home so the reduction even you know even you, you might even say well people were still going out right granted but there was you know like with respect to the march to the march baseline there was a lot of movement less going on because people were not going to large events there were not hundreds of thousands of people gathering in stadiums there were not thousands of people gathering in ho- concert halls, just like in March and February. So these things were lacking back in, in, in October. And so, and yet the phenomena that you observe is exactly the same. Like for me it was, that's a smoking gun. I mean, you have two different, you are acting so much on this variable, which is people's behavior. And you did change a lot, like despite the fact that, again, like some people were meeting, yes, granted, but they were meeting instead of, you know, one, 1,000 times per week, now it's 10 times per week. Just, you know, it's still like 10 to 100 times less than what was going on before. Mm-hmm. And everyone was wearing masks. Like, by and large, seriously, people still say, oh, but so I've seen someone with the mask, like, it's not really... Again, it's like one out of 10 people, and still, like, <laughs> you cannot blame it all on, like, a small minority, which is not complying. If this is a, such an, an important variable, and the same thing happened all throughout Europe. Like the second wave started basically within one or two weeks with the same dynamics approximately in every European country. And then it's it's clear it's something that's related to climate. It's not that Germany and Italy and France and Spain conspired everyone just right in that moment to not care about restrictions anymore, just out yeah. of the blue. <laughs> of course, there might be some something greater going on. It's, it's not that it's related to local behavior. You cannot really explain that unless, and, and again, I, I think we're going to talk about this, but that's part of the magical thinking that is behind then the uh, rationale of the COVID restrictions. Because of course, when you observe different countries having the same kind of phenomena, you cannot just attribute it to the same, you know, you had different countries with different regulations, different rules, different people. And yet you see that the same phenomena starts in all countries at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's like saying, well, it's it's cold in winter in um, in France and Italy because you know Italian people and French people at the same time decided it's cold. Decided that they have this feeling at this point. Yeah, it's, it's cold because it's cold. It's, it's like the the thing is going on by itself. It's, it doesn't depend on behavior. It's like the COVID is, is there. It doesn't behave depend on, on the way people behave. Right. Yeah, and I I think that um, really what it seems to come down to, and again, you've looked at the numbers, you've crunched the numbers, and you've made, I think, some really good uh, arguments using 
just the data that we have available that it, really anybody can review. It might take some training to understand exactly what it is that you're looking at, but you can extrapolate like cert, you can make a certain uh, a judgment based on what you're looking at. But I think from a layman's perspective, like mine, uh, you know, I'm looking at at things and seeing like what you're seeing. You know, it, you can just take a look even at at um, I think one of the most telling ones actually is is like all these failed predictions that, that keep being made by experts. Um, one of the it's interesting because this it, to me it seems like COVID more than anything has shown the limits of uh, any of, of most people's intellectual curiosity. And in fact, uh, a friend of mine who works in a hospital said that exact thing. He said, you know, it was amazing to him that like the doctors is probably like in maybe January or February the doctor was like. Yeah, I guess it looks like this uptick in COVID cases really may just have been due to like seasonal, um, you know, upper respiratory infections like we see every year. Like, like he was amazed that that like wow, like I, I guess I guess it really just happened like that. I mean, it had nothing to do with behavior. It was just the uptick was due to that. And he said, you know, there's there are some people who otherwise are very intelligent. You know, people who are doctors, they're not idiots. Like to get through medical school, it, it is it takes some serious brains. But the missing link is is this intellectual curiosity. And again, that doesn't mean cynicism or being a contrarian and just trying to say the exact opposite, but rather uh, taking a look and trying to find the nuanced view as to what might really be causing um, or, uh, or contributing to a certain uh, a certain thing, let's say. Um, I think that's that's part of the um, religious mindset that I see, really see behind this behavior, in the sense that. Um, um, you see, like very intelligent people believing in God, so there's no wonder about that. In the sense that you have, you can you can really, so the human mind can uh, very easily detach what is um, rationality and science from what is faith and you know like uh, emotions, so to say. Mm -hmm. And so there's no wonder that you know there's people who again there's like scientists believing in god I, I don't i don't find it weird it's it's like you know it's it's a fact it's a matter of fact i don't have anything against it the issue here is that uh, what is uh, regarded as science has now crossed the, the line so it's 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 not related to the parts of the scientist's brain um, that is rational so to say it just moved to the religious part and i think that's uh, that's pretty evident in the in the sense that you can see um you know, th this is the typical thing that, uh, I mean, that, that's a bunch of indicators like that. But first thing is, of course, you try to just outright deny the existence of uh, evidence that goes against what you're claiming. So you start from, actually, this is, this, is the, this is the thing that people, these people start from their world, from their theory. So they got a theory about, uh, um, about how the virus spreads. So that's, that, so to say, it's like a dogma. And from that on, they build a worldview model. So they have their own worldview. Now, it happens that the world, when you apply this view at a, on a large scale, doesn't work like that. It's not like if you prevent people from meeting, then the virus stops spreading. This is like it has been shown time and again. Maybe not in China, because in China we can discuss about the data from China. But anyway, the, the thing is that uh, you can see that there's clearly no correlation between stringent policies and uh, the spread of the virus. The, sp the virus goes on regardless. You might say, well, at some point then the curve goes down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Actually, if you re really look uh, in detail at this data, and uh, it's pretty clear, for example, for the UK and, uh, and Belgium during the second wave, 
is that the lockdowns were enacted like one or two days or three days after the peak of the curve. So it's you cannot really say that the curve goes down because of the lockdown, because the lockdown was actually enacted after the peak. And actually, mm-hmm. the peak is just the number of cases that you register on that day. So you should shift the peak of the curium backwards because it's not, you know, if you register this case today, it means it has infected probably one week earlier on. And so you should shift all these numbers by a few days, which means that actually lockdowns usually take place. And this is, again, if you just go and look into the numbers, lockdowns take place uh, a few days to a week or even later on than after the actual reaching of the infection peak. So you cannot really tell that the cases are going down. And this is, it's, it's something you can easily read from the, from the data. But regardless, like people with this mindset, they have their theory. No, no, no. The virus only stops when you... St- prevent people from meeting. That's it. That's the dogma, right? It's not like maybe there are other channels, like maybe the virus is just spreading with the air. Maybe there's different uh, ways people react to the virus. Or maybe even, you know, it's enough for the virus to propagate only, even if just 0.1% of the population is still allowed to, to travel freely, then it's like, that makes no difference. If, they, you know, if you stop 99% or if you stop 0%, maybe, you know, you just need a very more percentage of the population to spread it. I mean, whatever the answer is, like, that's a fact that these measures do not <laughs> counter anything. There's like, at least you cannot argue that the curve goes down. I mean, the curve would go down by itself. That's clear. Mm-hmm. Maybe you, can, you could uh, you could make a case for the curve going down faster. But anyway, so that, that that's that's the first thing of the religious mindset. So you have you have a dogma and you start from that and you look at the world. It doesn't go the other way around. That's science, right? So science you, you have a theory, you test it against the data, the data tells you, okay, the theory is good, or no, you should change your theory. And that's how your science progresses. So science progresses one dead theory at a time. Mm-hmm. That's how the saying goes, right? So you should test your theory against the data. And now the thing is that whatever, whenever you find some kind of evidence that does not fit your worldview, um, you have some shifting in the theory's parameters, or you just, you're making some ad hoc hypothesis you know it reminds me of a joke that i heard that this basically sums that up perfectly because this is exactly what you see like and you don't even have to look that hard like uh like the evidence for even experts doing this is all over the place but there's a joke this guy calls up a psychologist and he says doc you got to help my son he thinks he's a corpse and he's like can you get him in is there any way you can get him in this week i need i really need your help to convince him that he's not a corpse so he brings his son in, and the doctor says, so you think you're a corpse, right? He said, no, I don't think I'm a corpse. Doctor, I know I'm a corpse. So the psychologist says, well, you know, corpses don't bleed, right? You agree on that? And he said, yeah, of course. Everyone knows corpses don't bleed. So he said, okay, so if I were to prick you, you wouldn't bleed. He says, no, absolutely not. I'm a corpse. So he takes a pin, pokes his finger, and, and he starts bleeding. And then the son goes, huh, I guess corpses do bleed. <laughs> But this is exactly what we're saying. It's like, you know, and there's always a shift right when, uh, when they're confronted with the fact that which, which should just be a theory has started to become a belief. And yep. so in order to justify the belief, you know, you got to start snaking around and finding a way to make it work. But uh, That's exactly the uh, cult mindset, right? Like when you see, I don't know, like take the Crusaders, like. At some point, you win the world, you say, oh, it's thanks to God. Then you lose the world against the Ottomans. Uh, sorry, who, who was back there? Uh, it was not the Ottomans. Well, they, they were fighting with the Ottomans at some point. Yeah. But anyway, just take... 
<laughs> I guess the Arabs, uh, whatever, uh, Salah. Yeah, the, and then he loses. So, yeah, Soledan. Soledan, yeah. So I was mixing up stuff, sorry. Uh, but uh, you lose the war and then you say, oh, there were some infidels like betraying us. Mm-hmm. So it's always, you, you, it's like you never accept that there might be some um, issues with your worldview. Like, you know, your worldview is correct. If facts do not match your worldview, then you need to head. But the, the nice thing you do this a posteriori. It's like you do it after it happened to excuse because real science works like this, like you do a prediction, you say, okay, under these conditions, I predict that this happens. And so, for example, as Dr. Fauci said in the US, um, in these conditions, then um, Florida will be a house on fire and California will be like a perfect place because they, they locked up. It's like they will be much better, they will, will have much better numbers. And then it turns out the exact complete opposite. And then it, it turns out, oh, but you know, that's why, because that's because people were not uh, locking down hard enough in in, mm-hmm. in California, or you know, the, all these sort of made-up excuses like people are not complying, and well, and you just ask them like, well, how do you know that? And like, did, is there any evidence to show that people weren't complying? Um, I, I have yet to, I have yet to hear anybody say, oh yeah, we know that they're not doing X, Y, and Z. The data shows that people in the U.S. are like largely compliant, uh, just of as course, in the U.S. as it, for instance, but. The same also. I mean, I read recently Germany mandated that you have to wear like medical grade masks, and they've still seen a fifteen percent spike yes. in cases. Yes, but they will still say that you know, and that's what I. I mean, so this, I can go inside from 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 my actual experience on on social media, and that that's what happens all the time because when you try to point out this fact, um, you you really like people get really upset, and then they started tell you that oh but you see that's because Italians never comply with the rules like even granted like let's let's assume that no one complies with the rules you're still not allowed to go to restaurants you're still not allowed to go to the stadium you're still not allowed to go to theaters cinemas like schools were closed for uh, for a number of weeks universities closed bars are closed pubs are closed there's like how many less interactions are you having with respect to your normal life it's like it's it's still hundreds less yeah it's still hundreds less so you cannot so, and, and this is my reasoning then, it's if you have a function that depends on many variables like this, like the function is the number of infections or the number of dead people, right? It depends on the number of contacts that you have, you know, the, how the virus spreads. I would say like temperature, age, or oh, I think the, the thing just... What are you looking at? Yeah, sorry. Um, I was saying that... It, if you, if you say that this thing depends on many variables, then when you claim that uh, even changing by a lot the effect on the number of deaths by changing the number of co- contacts that people have, then it means that contacts do not matter that, that much with respect to the other variables. Exactly. Like if I'm telling you that even if I change the number of contacts, by a fa- if I reduce it by a factor of 10, you're still getting the same outcome. It means that this number this function does not really depend on this number mm-hmm. right because if i change it by a factor of 10 and the output is the same that's you know it's mathematics it's pretty you're just telling me that this function does not depend on on, on this variable that much and so why insisting on reducing the contact that much why investing so much energy and, and efforts yeah because that's yeah. the other thing so that that's that's the other thing that happens all the time when you point out that some places 
And like in the US, uh, you can mention Florida, I think most notably, but there's South Dakota and there's Japan, there's a bunch of places that didn't lock down. And still, they were not overwhelmed by this uh, continuous exponential growth of cases, yet the curve was going down. What mm. people tell you that, oh, but you cannot really compare uh, what's going on there with, with us. Um, and but there are two so there are two implications for these things. First of all, what we are doing here, we took it from China. So can we really compare Europe to China? So let's even even granted that what Chi the Chinese did um, worked in China, then why are we doing it here if you cannot compare policies between countries? But the second thing you're telling me is that other factors that are country specific matter much more than the policy that you're implying. Because what I'm telling is, I have two different countries, granted, with two very different policies, and they get the same outcome. So if you tell me that policy with that matters less than the specific properties of these countries, what you're telling me is that policy doesn't matter. That, you know, you, you cannot really then why are you investing so much in policy, in, in reduction of contacts, and why are you matching, why are you investing so much money and human lives in, uh, in trying yeah. to suppress? Yeah, and you know, the, the thing about that sort of a thing too is that most people, again, they, they're not into, and this isn't like a slam against people, it's just an observation. I don't think most people are intellectually curious enough to uh, question what they're hearing. Because questioning something doesn't necessarily mean that you're taking the opposite position. It's just you want to know if it's if it's true or not. Like there are people that I follow and people that I I trust very much in a variety of different fields. But I always like to double check because I want to trust but verify. Sure. Sometimes they're right. Sometimes I think they're right maybe in a certain context but not, you know, it's not like the gospel truth as it were. And sometimes I, I think they're just – they have an overbelief. And so it's it's not necessarily the case. But we really shouldn't be doing that with something that involves people's lives and livelihoods. And yet that seems to be the primary motivation is that most people don't really uh, question what they're being told. So they hear something, you know, like I mean, you mentioned in your podcast with Pat, a lot of people don't really have the training to interpret uh, the statistics or look at the data and, and you know, it come out with some sort of, of a conclusion. And they also don't have the time. So they're relying on the intermediary sources like the media or, you know, I don't know, like a, a trusted individual who's, who's going through the resources or whatever and then is, is giving them, uh, you know, an, an opinion. But a lot of times if you ask somebody something like that, like what you were just talking about, they don't have an answer because it, they've never broached the topic in the media or anywhere no, else. No, they, actually, actually, they do. So I had some very interesting rea interaction in the in the last few days, and um, I think it's very uh, symptomatic of, of, the, of the way that uh, the human mind works. Because, um, and again, it's it's related to this COVID thing. So sorry to this cult cultish thing behind the COVID. It's the fact that it's been taken for granted as a religion where the priests are the scientists and the political elite, like whatever um, the scientists and uh, you know the political elite says it's like the truth, we have mm -hmm. to believe science. First of all, like um, as if science were something you, you believe, it's, it's like the first rule of science, you should question what you're saying. Yeah. And second of all is that there's no such thing as scientific consensus around these issues right now because there's is, granted, it might be a minority, but there's a substantial minority. There's lots of scientists who do not agree 
on these uh, policies. They do not agree on the way the data has been read. There's, I mean, we can talk about the Great Barrington Declaration. There's, uh, but I, I can mention, like, even if you don't want to get into that, there's, there's other tens of other researchers I know uh, who do not. Uh, they don't agree with the, you know, with the with the way that this thing has been sold to the public. But this is like again going back to the uh, religious mentality. That's what the scientists said. That's what the experts said. I believe that. Full stop. There's no debate about that. So I had a discussion with a friend of mine who is otherwise, I would say, is well-read. This is not an idiot. But um, that was the point. I was showing, look, there's this other evidence from other scientists, and they, you know, they point out these facts. Then you can judge on your own. And he says, no, no, no. Uh, I know that I'm not trained into this stuff, and so I just believe what the scientists say. I said, you know, like, these guys are scientists too, and, you know, that's there's an open scientific debate and you should probably listen to both sides of the argument because it's not just because the media and the politicians from all the not again not from all the world but most of the politicians and most of the media have exposed this uh, this kind of thesis they have um they're supporting this this side of the argument doesn't mean that the other side has, has no relevance whatsoever at least you could at least give a try and listen to it they said no 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 um you should if the, if this evidence is good, then it should be peer-reviewed. And I said, well, this is peer-reviewed. Well, then if it's peer-reviewed, it means that it was not good enough to be taken into account. Like, okay, all right. Then it's it's like, again, it's, it's like a religion in the sense that you say you chose a subset of experts as gods and you trust whatever they say no matter what. You don't even try to, you know, get at least uh, familiarized with some other kind of uh, evidence. And not even with the logic that is behind that, because at some point, that's that's also something that is, is, is being... When you try to argue for these positions that we should be more uh, careful with lockdowns and restrictions, and there's good evidence that they don't really contribute that much to the reduction of the, of the spread. The first thing is that people associate you with um, being a um, COVID denier, you are anti-science, you are, you know, all the anti-vaxxer or you you know you are um, there's dead people everywhere so like the, we had so many dead people in Italy you shouldn't you know talk about these things for respect to the that like so every sort of irrational argument because I'm not claiming that COVID is, is not dangerous I never made any single claim about the how COVID I don't know it's like about the dangers of COVID I never made any single claim about uh, the trade-off between economy and um, and con containment of the measures. I'm just talking about these measures that they are not effective to start with. <laughs> it's that's that's the whole issue, and people don't don't understand it. They they always conflate all the issues together, and um, and again, it's it's part of the of the religious mentality. Yeah. And by the way, I was I was uh, this whole sorry <laughs> I was uh, start I start this whole debate I'm mentioning you started because I. Um, uh, this this guy was mentioning the fact that was uh, there were people protesting in Rome because of the lockdowns, and he was saying, "Oh, look at these assholes! They are protesting, and uh, they are all together and now. All the efforts we made in last months they are gonna be ruined by these people meeting right now." And I said, "Look, this is a witch hunt. You shouldn't do a witch hunt. This is a fucking witch hunt. First of all, there's no evidence that the virus spreads outside, so these people were protesting outside. So this is anti-scientific. Second of all, you're you know you're getting mad. You're like." It's it's a witch hunt. You're like uh, pointing your finger at a group of people who are desperate because they lost their jobs and they're got they have no income. 
and many of them, you know, they're, they're really desperate. They're most of them are on the brink of, you know, <laughs> mental uh, illness, and there's lots of people who committed suicide. So it's how I, I found it really outrageous, you know, horrible to, yeah. No, I was going to say it's very unbecoming Sorry. because you're right. It's like, yeah, we we're told in, in other, let's say, fields of discussion that certain binaries are simply let's say, uh, a cultural relic, and they're not actually true. But everything else it has this binary thinking when it comes down to people's beliefs. And whether it is, again, because it's taken the, the place of like a religious belief. So whether it's COVID or anything else, it's like, oh, well, you either believe that this is the most like deadly pandemic we've ever faced, and, and there's no measure that's too extreme, or you don't even believe that it exists. And if it sounds like I'm being uncharitable, like, Talk to anybody because that's the first thing. Anybody who is uh, similar to the friend that you're describing, who I'm sure is a great guy, there's no, you know, I'm not trying to be insulting, but like that kind of mentality you find all over the place. It, and it really is like it's, it's an either or uh, approach. So they don't really ask your opinion. They just assume because you don't believe like in their religion, I'll use, just use that term, well then, you know, Clearly, you're blinded. You have scales over over your eyes, and you're this. You're an infidel, and people might not like hearing that characterization, but it is accurate because, like, I, I've I've had to deal with this talking to whether it's family members um, or other friends. Even when I've shown them data, like I, I had a family member who we had a, a discussion, and there were like eight points that he made, and they were all wrong. And I'm not like, you know, and I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to. Uh, to be mean, but it was just like again, like his points all came from the, either the media or what he thought he saw on the media. So I put together an email, and it was all from scientific journals uh, or respected scientists in the field making a certain case, or from mainstream media sources. And I just explained. I said, "Look, you don't have to believe what I believe, but I know your position very well, so you should at least know my position." And so I sent all this information. I didn't even get a response to it. You know, so this is one of the one of the issues is that people don't see it as a belief. They what they see it as is like this is the truth. So like if you question it, yeah. like there's something wrong with you, not me. So why should I accept any other uh, approach to things? And it's completely wrong. It's absolutely the same thing that happened. I mean, it, happen, it happens to me so many times that you know I'm I'm trying to be patient when this this online discussion start. I mean, so to start with, I never, never, ever in, I don't know, I'm online presence, maybe it's, it's 13 years, social media, never, ever started an argument, a debate, like I always refrain from it. I feel that for COVID, it's worth doing it because um, I've never seen fascism or a regime like living under it. But if I've seen it once in my life, that's this time because like um, restrictions with no scientific basis, we have um, there's this uh, scientific uh, council that is deciding when you can go out of home who you can visit, uh, if you can work or not, um, what kind of, you know, uh, they, they were checking on the amount of food you were ordering during Easter. Like, isn't this insane? Like the police checking how much food you're ordering because it could be an indicator of you having a large party at your home. Like uh, police entering your home and checking who is there. I mean, this is the closest thing to fascism, to any kind of regime I've ever seen in my life. Absolutely. This is there's absolutely no democrat, no democracy because you might say, oh, but science is not democratic. Um, yeah, but then show me the evidence. Show me the fucking evidence. There's like the 
uh, what this uh, scientific uh, council is doing when they say, oh, you know, restaurants should shut down from six onwards. Then show me the evidence that, you know, reducing the time. Um, at 6.01, that's when the virus wakes okay, up. And show me at least some data and make a very, you have, you're, you know, you're restricting people's liberties. You have to make a very strong case for that. And no one has ever published anything on, there's no nothing. Yeah. There's no nothing. There's no really, um, and all these scientists that are in this, in this council, they, I mean, I've never seen any official document on saying, look, if we close the restaurants from 10 to, I don't know, to 5 a.m., like we close, we show, there's a curf night curfew, we estimate the cases to go down by 50%. Make a prediction, you test the theory, does it go, you know, that should, how science should work. There's no prediction, there's no analysis. There's just someone who say, oh, we should shut these things down. And you forget that, first of all, they're restricting people's liberties, that it's unacceptable in, in a democratic society. It's, it, you have to make a strong case for that. You cannot just say, you know, it's not a regime. That's basically the, the basis, the foundations of our societies. We entered this because you said it's two weeks. It's not two weeks. It's, it's, I mean, it's going to be one year and, and a few months. And um, it's not like just because you're a scientist and you're entitled to choose other, pe or other people's life, unless you can make a very strong case for that. Yeah. No one ever did that. They just rely on, you know, anecdotes and, and, and theories. And, you know, if they made a theory and they, they made uh, some tests to it, I would... I mean, I would be willing to change my mind. They never did it. They never dared to test their theories. They never dared to test, to make, you know, estimates on how much this restriction of your civil liberties impacts, how much to estimate. There's, a, there's nothing like that. Yeah. You know, I think the other thing, too, is that people, people assume that scientists don't have any bias because science is supposed to be the ultimate arbiter of fact. And... You know, but again, like you ask people, okay, well, what's, what's science? Like they can't define it. What's the scientific method? Eh, they don't really know. Like what does it mean to believe science? Like it, it's, an, it's a non sequitur because um, like there's nothing to believe. It's like it's not a belief system. And the fact that people are willing to say I believe in science tells me that they either don't know what science means or they're simply repeating things that they've heard other people say. And they can't really articulate why they believe it. And so, again, it's like I think if, if COVID has shown us anything, it's that people aren't really willing to question their assumptions. They're, people kind of want to operate on easy mode. Like, well, look, if this is what the experts are saying, let's do it. But experts get things wrong all the time, even en masse. Like, I mean, a great example, I, I uh, wrote an email yesterday. I have an email list, and I always I write a daily email. And one of them was about Jack LaLanne. And in America, if you know anything about fitness – Jack LaLanne is like, I mean, he was the king because there was a time, this is going to sound insane to people, but there was a time, at least in, uh, in the U.S., where most doctors believed that exercise was harmful to people. They believed that you could overexert yourself, you'd become muscle-bound and lethargic, you would enlarge your heart. When was uh, this? This was in the 1950s, 1940s, 50s. Um, and it was like there were people who were, who were like they were going to become uh, police officers or firefighters and they would train at Jack Lane's gym like on the sneak because they didn't want to deal with the fallout. Like they knew it was BS that exercise would, you know, would uh, have all these negative effects. But I mean, now it's basically universally recognized that exercise is, is good for you. 
um, and even strenuous exercise, especially strenuous exercise. But the scientific consensus at the time, not based on any science, but simply just pure speculation on the part of a large number of doctors, was that exercise was going to enlarge your heart, make you muscle-bound and lethargic, uh, was going to shorten your lifespan. Had, like they, they just believed it had all these negative uh, uh, impacts. And most of them uh, just didn't question it. And it, it, it wasn't until there were enough people who were, who were challenging the notion that things changed. You know? And this is just one example of many. There, there are plenty of others. Uh, so to believe that, science, that scientists can't be biased or that, uh, that scientists can't or that science, quote unquote, can't be politicized in any way is just naive. Uh, and, and it just doesn't jive with reality. It's, it's very naive, but again, um, I would agree with the statement, I believe in the scientific method, in the sense that science is a method. You never sure. get to, I mean, in my opinion, you never get to a uh, 100% answer. You always get, um, I mean, the whole thing is about error bars. It's about estimating the likelihood of a certain statement to be true. And so you have statements that are true with a certain degree of confidence um, statements about the real world and statements w- which are true with a lesser degree of confidence. That's the whole point of science. It's about putting, um, like estimating how likely is this fact to be um, reflected in a, a real statement about the real world. And so you always need to confront yourself with the real world and with the data. And this is exactly the thing that is missing now. And by the way, there's another very important thing about science and scientific theory. And uh, it's about philosophy. And people often forget this point. But scientific theories can be treated as such only if they're falsifiable. Mm -hmm. So you can treat a statement about how the world works only if you can think about an experiment that could falsify this. Because you can always make up statements that fit, you know, like, for example, um, the existence of God, it's something you can always, you, you cannot really disprove it. And you cannot prove it, but you cannot even disprove it in a way. You can make arguments for and against, but there's no way to argue. You can always say, by its, its own you know, definition, it's something uh, beyond. And so you, you, you can always find ways to justify it, right? So that's not a scientific statement. But a, a statement about COVID is that um, unless you do this kind of measures, then the curve would grow exponentially, for example. And so this is a kind of experiment you can think of, right? So if the theory about COVID spread is like, oh, until you don't get to herd immunity, then the virus will spread and then it will saturate the uh, health system of a country. Um, this is a scientific statement, which has been proven false. And you just need one, one, one example to disprove a theory. Like uh, Newton's gravity was disproven when they found out that the, um, there was Eddington's uh, experiment in 1919. So, um, and then the uh, perihelion of mass. Uh, there were like two or three experiments that were showing evidence in favor of a new theory in front of a theory that was tested for 200 years mm-hmm. and proved very successful. So this is the same thing here. You can say, well, but you know, after doing these measures, which is not true, but even granted, that's the case. Um, the theory is only true when it's, I mean, it's true, it's, it's reliable when it passes the uh, falsification test. And so for this, for this specific case, um, I would say that falsification is, 
is, I mean, it's it, again, it's it's something that happened. That there's a, there are facts that are indirect concerns that do not fit this theory. Yeah, they are indirect contrast with the predictions of this theory. It's about making predictions, and that's what you said. That like the experts got it wrong from the very beginning. They said it's two weeks, then it's two months, then it's coming again. It's pretty clear that all of their predictions went wrong, right? And I think to add on to that, I'm sure that in I. I speak to a lot of different people about you know informally like lockdowns and you know things like that and even people who are like I, I the thing is two people seem to think that it's largely a political thing like oh if you're conservative then you just think this automatically or oh, if you're liberal you think this automatically and i haven't really found that to be the case i think you know first of all a lot of people are relatively in the middle but might lean one way or the other and you know a lot of people regardless of what side of the aisle they're on seem to have uh, criticisms, not even based on because, like you know, like you, you're you're a professional scientist, but simply based on observations on some of the stuff that that you've talked about. That you know, just their BS detector goes off, and it goes off enough times in a row, seeing something similar, that they're like, "Well, why wouldn't I question it?" But but the problem then seems to be too is because it has reached like a religious fervor for uh, people's beliefs about the right thing to do. Uh, how to contain you know, the virus, even if people do come up with some sort of an argument or evidence or any, anything like that, that that contradicts what they believe to be true, they're almost uniformly attacked, you know, and I, you know, it could be verbally, it could be respectful, it could be whatever, but people pile on them. So you think about like a scientist who might, who might come out with uh, something that seems to go against the consensus like these people always have to swim upstream and they're made to have a difficult time of it but they're doing what they're supposed to be doing now i think in cases like the ones that you were providing earlier about how they kind of upended like 200 years of established belief i don't know if there was any politics surrounding it but but i get the sense and i could very well be wrong that there are probably a lot of scientists a lot of people who've looked at the data and done you know uh, done some research who would agree with everything that you're saying but like to speak out, to say something about it, to express some disagreement, we're no longer talking about saying, uh, you know, let's let's question something that's not at all been politicized, but rather let's question people's belief system and uh, expect them to uh, jettison it for something that, that works better because it seems like there's a lot at stake for these people because this has this is an argument that's become politicized unnecessarily i am and but again talk, talking about politics that's exactly the to go back to the religious cult stuff it's um it's something that you really see in politics as well right when you take a political stance then you need to uh, you also like um, are ad adhering to a certain belief system right mm -hmm. And so, and, and I think, you know, especially, you know, like, for example, about communist regimes, it's, there's a lot of parallels you can draw between, you know, like believing religiously in the communist system or believing religiously in Islam or believing religiously in COVID measures. Because in, in all these systems, if you think about it, it's like, first of all, the needs to like, this only works if everyone does it. So you need to convert other people, for example, in, in, yeah. in, when you're an extremist. Or you know, communists. We all the whole country needs to be run like this, and there might be some conspirators. We need to get rid of them, and that's this also like the uh, witch hunt mentality, right? So witch hunt is, is something that originated in Christendom in Western Europe, but again, it's hunting someone who you think is is like making the whole system fail. There must be some responsible, right? So you had saboteurs in communist systems. You had the witches during, or the Jews, 
or you know you had always someone to put the blame on it's a minority same thing with covid so you find people who do not complain they are responsible for the fact that these measures do not work like it cannot they cannot even possibly fathom that the measures do not work maybe because they're wrong maybe they're not addressing the issues in the right i mean just keep open you know mind open to that possibility but no you already decided that measures are good and the, the whole things make sense i mean there is some coherent logic as you, i mean you can make uh, again I'm, I'm not endorsing that but you can make like sort of uh, a, pro, a narrative like a plausible narrative for communism you can make that for religion for any kind of religion you can make some some sort of um argument based on the fact you know like man sins and you need some kind of moral system and you need to do this and that and you need to like in, enforce it on on the population like um, the same thing with with communist values. You need to you know you you need to make this huge change in in the mindset of of the people. Same thing with COVID. Like you need to make this huge change. You don't you, you are like forbidden to visit your friends. You need to stay far away from your family. The, a lot of things that are natural. Like in religion, you have the same. Like you have a lot of control on your sexual sexual uh, sexual sphere, right? Which is something natural, like you know, you try looking for a sexual intercourse. There's nothing weird with it, but they put a lot of pressure on that, and there's a lot of shame uh, assigned to it. And that's the same thing with COVID. Like you just want to interact with people. What's wrong with that? No, you cannot do that. And that's exactly the same mentality that you see when you know when the priest is telling you you shouldn't do, you shouldn't hang out with girls unless you're married. Same thing, you shouldn't hang out with people because there's this COVID thing is, is going around. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know. You, and you sort of feel that you're not doing anything wrong, but you have to obey to this law, even though it yeah. goes, it's in stark contrast with human nature. And um, there's a lot of other elements. Like you feel right when you, you know, you report your neighbor. Your neighbor is doing something. It's like in communist regimes. Oh, my neighbor has just said that this is against the regime. He just criticized Stalin. We come and, and get rid of him. If, oh, the guy won't, yeah, exactly. if the guy won't trim his hedges, he won't clean his yard. You just yeah. call up the neighborhood commissar. Oh, this guy said something against uh, yeah. Stalin. You don't have to worry about the guy anymore. Exactly. I mean, it's like again, these guys are having the you know during Christian times they were there was this thing about the Easter celebration in Jewish communities that were forbidden in Spain, for example, and then there were neighbors reporting on people like they supposed they were Jews, and they were reporting them to the police. And it's the same thing now. It's it's like uh, I don't freaking understand how can find uh, how can people find this normal? Like report calling the police to report your neighbor to the police. It's like spying on your neighbors. When did this become become acceptable? Like, can you really make a case for that? And well, especially in the U.S. too, where it's like, um, uh, in many ways, a line has been drawn where it's either like support the police or defund the police. Now, I think the, the overwhelming majority of people support. Uh, Policing obviously provided that it is being done uh, in a moral way that up, uh, upholds people's rights. But it's the same people in so many cases who would absolutely side with defund the police who are all too happy to report you know, yeah. their neighbors, other people yeah. to the police yeah. uh, for for the, the most minor of infractions. Uh, you should be skeptical of the police all the time. <laughs> That's the, I agree. Like of every, every you know, you should be Any skeptical of politics. Yeah, this is something I find really upsetting because you know I, I'm I, I'm a metal musician, right? I'm a rock musician among other things, and like seeing how the rock community and the musicians community just oh obey the law, like after years and years of rebellion and just I'm not even say you should rebel, but but just question what's been told to you, like question it, 
Yeah. Like, no, it's uh, that, that's really mind mind blowing. Well, there's a meme that has gone around um, that I find is very apt for this situation. It was like 1990s, and it's Zach Delaroca from from uh, Rage Against Machine. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Yeah. And it's like now, fuck you, do what they tell you. Yeah, exactly. uh, it, it really the mind boggles. And again, you ask people like, well, what changed? Like back then, you were so skeptical of authority. Like why why aren't you skeptical of authority anymore? I mean, I think deep down, again, a lot of it uh, goes down to people's political. Uh, political uh, bending, and I think that they feel like, well, now my side has the upper hand, so of course I'm not going to rebel. But uh, but it's it's ridiculous because, like you said, uh, it doesn't re- to me. Again, I have like like a conditional support for any figure of authority, provided that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and they're not interfering with my rights or the rights of other people in the community. Then then I support them. But the minute that they start to encroach on those rights or even think about it, like. You have to speak up and say something. Yeah. And so the idea that, for example, well, if you get vaccinated, and I'm not against vaccination by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm against like vaccine passports because it's just ridiculously draconian. So the idea is like, well, we'll give you your rights back if if you now submit to this condition. It's like it, it makes zero sense whatsoever. And it's like why anybody would support that is is just beyond me. Yeah, it's, I, I completely agree. It's, it's based on scientism. It's, it's based on faith. Um, and again, I think it's it's also something that is faith related in the sense that many people like to show off their faith, yeah, because they associate it with something positive. And so you see many, for example, communists showing off their communists because they want to show that they are very good people, not because they actually behave like people that have those ideals. But yeah, they just want to show those. You know, it's like virtue signaling. <laughs> yeah, well, they're all uniformly scumbags. So as long as they keep their hands up, they, so we can recognize. As many people showing off their faith in God just to show off. Because they want to appear that they are good people and they, they believe in God just because they believe in God and they believe in Jesus, which it's it's not a good or bad thing per se. It's like you are a good person, regardless of you know. It doesn't. I don't care about what you state you believe. I care about what you do. Yeah. <laughs> so that's. Uh... No, it's very. It's it's a very uh, apt statement because, like, I mean, people like, for example, wearing like like doing mask selfies on social media. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think selfies in general are pretty stupid, but like, especially wearing a mask or like the I voted stickers that people have on. It's like, no one gives a shit that you voted. Like, exactly. you know, or, or like, I got my vaccination uh, or all these other things. Again, it's, it's like what you said, it's virtue signaling and it's an attempt to do exactly what the people that they would, I mean, these, many of these people are, are very critical of Christians uh, and are all too happy to poke fun at them. But they do the same, the exact same activities, but something that suits them, and they, they just don't see the parallel. Exactly, and I mean, th- this is, I mean, the, the thing you mentioned, but the um, the thing is that uh, this is like a very cheap way of looking a uh, good person. You want to show off how good you are. That's that, that's something I cannot really stand because you shouldn't, like, you shouldn't show it off, right? You should be a good person because know you are. People know you are. Regardless of what you're saying, oh look at me, look at me, and it's like a way of of uh, uh, gaining attention, so to say. Mm-hmm. So again, um, I don't know if there's there's, there's other thing that I, actually uh, I was pretty <laughs> fond of my religious uh, COVID uh, parallelism. You can find a lot. Oh, there's there's another parallelism that I, I could find, and it fits again the three. This is just to say that there's must there is something in the human mind which is. Um, 
a structure that fits you know either the political mindset the scientist minded mindsets or the um the political mindsets religious mindset as i said this another thing that people love to show of when they're religious for example is the love for suffering oh i'm going through suffering but i know it's for the greater good same thing or same thing here it's the same thing it's uh, it's incredible so, oh i'm i'm not going i'm not doing anything but it's for the greater good it's like communism oh we need to suffer we need to work like 19 hours per day with no food but it's for the greater good of society yeah it's the same with nationalism for that matters like when when people tell you you have to go and fight for your nation for the greater good of it. it's it's always this kind of um this part of the human soul that gets uh fooled very easily by these ideals and you want to believe in something greater and you want to show it off and sometimes i mean again you you can be a very good person and still believe in these things but um sometimes just the belief is is again it's else with reality and you do things for the sake of doing things because you're associated with them with good values but you don't really look at the rationale behind it you don't really look yeah. at the fact is it good for society as a whole like keeping uh, preventing people from interacting for so long is it good for society as a whole to get to have millions of people jobless keep them like preventing them from doing what they what they were trained for prevent, preventing them from doing what they love aside from all the, this the, you know from all, all the um considerations about the effectiveness of these measures so that's a very good point you know i had never considered that but you're right like people want to find meaning in suffering like yeah exactly. suffering is, is something you have to do off. they want to show it off they will say oh we need to hang for to this you know we need to fight for example i was reading about the um I was actually i was listening to a conference about north korea from a guy from a spanish guy that's like the ambassador of uh not is like he became north korean he's a, he's a famous guy uh he's a, he's a spanish communist moved to north korea and it's, it's going back and forth all the time but this guy at some point was was so proud of north korea and said oh during the 90s there was such a bad time there people were starving and he was talking about these people who were starving but they were proud to starve and die for socialism that's his exact words right and so but isn't it supposed to be like the other way around like isn't it the political system should improve your life like should shouldn't that be the ultimate goal like improving people's life instead of killing people for an ideal and again yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm citing comedy you could say you could make the same argument for nationalism for fascism for any kind of extreme political ideology yeah which breeds yeah. on the same ground it's it's exactly the same structure and the same and the same ground so yeah yeah no it's it's a it's a very interesting i i had no idea about this guy i mean this is especially funny too when considering that all these socialist arguments seem to be like oh it's going to get rid of all this inequality it's like yeah everyone's equally poor like it doesn't make everybody like equally middle class or equally whatever but but again yeah it's a belief system and it's it's hard for people i, I think it's hard for people first to accept that it's a belief system like i realize that my religion is a belief system and i don't expect anybody else to believe it um some people don't hold the same uh the same opinion about their own belief system but um i think that uh all too often when it comes to things that are non-religious people want to believe that well i'm not even really believing it and this is just a fact or these are just this is just the truth and uh it, there's nothing about it that you, or there's nothing that you can do I, about I, it yeah. to convince them to the contrary it's very very hard to talk with people like that yeah, yeah absolutely it's then the, it's over like again going back to the discussions I, I had on social media recently at some point was like oh well then 
Uh, how, do you think you're smarter than Angela Merkel or Mario Draghi or the, you know, the European Commission that they are all suggesting that this measure should be taking place? Say, like, what the fuck? Like, for example, our prime minister is Catholic. Are you Catholic? Like, should you like believe in what he believes just because he's smarter than you on, on a number of issues? I mean, am I still allowed to, again, and I'm doing some very kind of precise quantitative, quantitative and scientific statement, i think it i mean i lost all hope on, on uh, reasoning on uh, about these issues with people because again even when you present some kind of scientific it, i'm <laughs> i'm presenting some scientific evidence it's not like some crackpot it's not some kind of conspiracy it's just scientific method used by scientists and shows some evidence which does not agree with the worldview would you like maybe just to read about this i'm not I'm not a general witness, and I don't want to talk about the, you know. Yeah, you're taking a copy of the Watchtower. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, but that's also an interesting uh, situation to be in because there could be very, very smart people who will say stuff like, uh, like what you said. Like, do you think you're smarter than Angela Merkel? It's like smart people still make mistakes. So, like, that's not even a very good argument, or even like an intelligent question, because, like, if you ask anybody who we would view as smart, or, you know. Uh, uh, in a position of uh, expertise or leadership, they'll tell you they've been wrong about things. Like, and it's, it had nothing to do with them being stupid. It's just that they found out that there was something that worked better or was was more accurate. Um, so yeah, I, I have I have definitely heard that before, and I just I can never wrap my head around that. Like, like, do you think you're smart? Like, okay, maybe I'm not smarter than Angela Merkel at running Germany. She's done that a long time. Like, she knows maybe she knows what she's doing there, but like. That's irrelevant to the conversation at hand. So, like, yeah. <laughs> it's not in advancing the discussion at all. No, no, no. It's it's just you know it's, it's this um, what's it called like uh, authority uh, argument. It's like appeal to authority, which is exactly it's 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 an argument. But that's what's happening all the time. I mean, again, like in many cases, it's reasonable to appeal to authority. For example, flying planes. Okay, but you know, it's not this this. Uh, tens of years of evidence. Yeah, COVID is something completely new. Like you cannot claim there's a scientific consensus there um, that formed in uh, two months. It never happened in the history of science. Why should it happen right now? In fact, the reasons that just um, you know, as you, as you said, like the media is fueling, is putting fuel on on, on the fire by just you know listening to one side of the argument, yeah. which is the one that is, happens to be the most extreme. And the most uh, catastrophist leaning, so to say. Yeah, and, and you know the other thing too to, to keep in mind about the media is that like the whole the whole business model is to get as many eyes on what they're doing oh, yeah. as possible. And you know if you don't have like a lot of readership, you don't have a lot of viewership, it affects uh, the amount of money that you make. So, and I'm not saying that this proves that the media lies, but I will say for sure that the. Uh, at least in America, I think right now the the trust in the media is like the lowest it's been in a very long time. I think people can sense that a lot of the stuff is just wildly speculative or is over the top. Like you mentioned, um, I believe it was Osterholm, who's uh, Joe Biden's um, coronavirus czar. Back in like October, September, October, something like that, he said Florida is going to be like a house on fire yeah. in a month. And it never happened. So, like, how many times does this have to happen? He's not the only guy. This is just one example. Yeah, but how many times? How many times do things like this have to happen before people start to say, like, "Look, there's no question these guys are are, are experts. 
they know they know what they're talking about, but they're getting their predictions wrong over and over again. Like you eventually you start to see a pattern. You don't need to be, you know, have a PhD in some hard science to see right. that that the pattern simply does not match what the predictions are. Um, you know, when it comes to some of the specifics, okay, you know, it maybe will help a lot to have a certain amount of training. But stuff like that is like, uh, I, I just, I don't understand why people don't see it and then go, huh, well, maybe I should be a little more skeptical next time I hear that and see how it pans out. But by and large, people don't do that. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I mean, then we, we could also add a few words. You, you just talk about the media, um, the kind of um, incentive structures they face. But it's the same thing with politicians, because now, on the one hand, like, the populace is, is really scared, right? So you don't want to appear you're taking a great risk. Like, a sizable chunk of the population believes that you should really shut down based on what they've been told so far. So you cannot really go back and say, look, maybe we overreacted. It's, it's not on the menu, right? It's on something. There's people complaining that the government is not shutting down enough. Yeah, these uh, are the exact same people who are also like, oh, if I were in Nazi Germany, I would totally shelter Jews. And ah, not yeah, like, sure, I, sure, sure. That, that, but so again, <laughs> I don't like, uh, what's it called, Reductio Hitlerum. Like, uh, no, I don't either. A, but... Not, but you can see you can see a pattern here, and it's not something completely new. It's to humankind. There's the, the fact that people... There's this uh, psychology of masses that uh, adhere some, to some weird ideology. It's like you can think we're still the same humans that went uh, 1,000 years ago to, to the Crusades from Europe. Like everyone massively joined this uh, crazy campaign. And you can find tens of such examples in history. And like the biology and the brain is basically the same, like culture change, but you know, the instincts are still the same. And you should really watch out on these things. You should really watch out, especially when, you, when you're facing, like now we're facing this kind of uh, restrictions without justifications, because there, there's no such thing, at least in Italy, but I'm pretty sure nowhere else, there's a detailed analysis on why you should shut down these kind of places at this time, or why you should you restrict my freedom of movement after this this hour of the day, and mm-hmm. how much does this impact? Why? And it's, it's just, you know, the, the point is that politicians need to show that they're doing something. That's their main um, driver. Exactly. And the thing is that no matter what happens, if you predict a catastrophe and the catastrophe doesn't appear, then you say, oh, it's thanks to my suggestion. If it appears, then you can say, oh, look, I just predicted it. Exactly. On the other way around, there's, um, it's a very bad strategy because um, if, you don't, if you say, look, everything's going to be right and then there's some issue, no matter the size of the issue, no matter whether the issue was, was going to show up anyways, you will be blamed for that. So, like the more, the safest bet is predicting a catastrophe. And exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I hadn't thought about that, but it makes perfect sense. Um, and it's that's uh, game theory. I mean, if if you look, that's the payoff matrix. Like, <laughs> it's it's very easy. It's like this strategy always you always get a positive payoff, no matter yeah. what happens. This other strategy might lead you to a very bad outcome, so you shouldn't take that. Yeah, that's again, interesting. It's, it's like there's a lot of. Uh, you don't need to resort to conspiracy to explain this thing. There's the incentive structures everywhere um, that has this kind of, um, you know, this 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 kind of um, reaction. It's the way there's the, there's some very weird uh, um, coincidences, but 
Yeah, no, 100%. And that, I think it's our duty as citizens of whatever country we live in to keep these things in mind. And again, like expect, uh, uh, like expect from the media that they're going to be reporting intelligently and they're going to be reporting in a way that's uh, not sensationalized. And then expecting from our politicians that they're not going to overstep their bounds. And I think one of the problems is, like you said, there's a, a large contingent in Italy, uh, around Europe, in the United States, are people who want harder restrictions. And again, the thing I find very ironic is that at least here in America, many of the people who are calling for st- more stringent restrictions are also the same people who uh, you know, cry crocodile tears for people who they feel are underpaid or whatever, uh, or people who have jobs like as baristas or waiters, or whatever. It's like these are the people who are getting hurt by this or people who own uh, small businesses. These are all the people who are being hurt and you're asking to do something that hurts, that's going to uh, ultimately hurt them more. Like there's, again, there's a disconnect between uh, the things that they support and that they like and the, and the, the ultimate consequences of them. And a simple like unwillingness to even acknowledge that this is going to cause unnecessary, potentially unnecessary hardship. Uh, I mean, it's, to me, I just really can't wrap my head around it. And um, it's so often, if you try to talk to somebody about it, you can just see that it's like going right over their head. They're not really interested in having an honest discussion. They want to, they just want to believe what they want to believe. That's, I mean, that's what I, when, when I see with, you know, when I'm discussing with this sort of people, then that's a perfectly legitimate argument that you're making. It's um, and that I made all the time too. So my answer is, why do you want to favor Amazon over the local shop owners? Yeah. You know, you know who are the people that are getting hurt the most from these policies? As for example, um, all those people that are working under the table, who are not usually like billionaires. They are like working in construction. They are working in you know any kind of um, restaurants usually, or entertainment industry, and they are they don't get any coverage whatsoever because they officially were not working even before that. Mm-hmm. For example, in Italy. So if you're working under the table, you're not doing like the oh I'm an IT expert like me myself like okay I, i'm fine i'm doing fine with covid but you know what about this why do you want these poor people to become poorer they're already doing yeah. shitty jobs exactly have any you know the only thing they can do is the by the way this is this is completely apropos of nothing but uh, one of the commenters claudio viola just said i just noticed mr salkin blinks upside down is he a reptilian well claudio the answer is you caught me. I'm absolutely a reptilian. I didn't even realize that I was blinking upside down. Uh, did not catch that at all. So thank you for, uh, for oh, that's, pointing that's that out. That's because reptilians are part of the Jewish conspiracy, right? Exactly. Yeah. This, this giant Jewish conspiracy. I don't even know what the, the flavor de jour is of like what, what we Jews are up to. Somebody's left me out of the loop. But uh, <laughs> בעברית אפשר להגיד. בעברית כן, בעברית אפשר להגיד, אבל לא ביוטיוב. כן, נכון, נכון מאוד. אז אנחנו נמצאים It was a very, I mean, I liked this conversation. Thanks a lot for being such an asshole, Alex. I, I was born that way, man. It's the same thing with the reptilian. I, I just can't really yeah, help. You're <laughs> blinking the other way, sure. Yeah, exactly. Well, as soon as this is off, I'm going to lick my eyes, too, you know, to, to oh, further well. <laughs> moisten them. 
Anyway, so thanks a lot to all the to everyone that joined the conversation. Thanks for the questions and 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 you know the patience for keeping up with us uh, almost one hour and a half. And um, I think that's it. We can say see you in the future, people. Sayonara. The next episode of whatever podcast. Whatever. Yeah, the whatever cast. Whatever cast. <laughs>